Hello there, and welcome along to a sneaky bonus episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast. When I say bonus episode, I mean that recently I had a chat with Matt Cooper, and a lot of what we talked about, um, I thought was, um, and Patrick thought as well, was excellent stuff altogether. But we wanted to get to know Matt the person uh, better. So the stuff on the podcast with Matt was more about getting to know Matt the person. But I also had what I regard as a very interesting uh, tete-a-tete discussion um, with Matt. Um, sparky discussion about the subjects of COVID and indeed Boris Johnson. And I thought with the recent revelations about George Boris Johnson and the way COVID is going, I thought it might be worth including as a brief bonus episode. So here it is, Matt on COVID and Boris. <laughs> um, you did say, you, you, just as passing, you did say you did have opinions about some things. Yeah, I mean, I'd say the one thing that at the moment would be um, I have a very little tolerance for the anti-vaxxer bullshit going mm-hmm. around the place, mainly because, and this goes back again to my newspaper days, but 20 years ago, there would have been enormous amount of coverage of the MMR vaccine, yeah. which a man, Andrew Wakefield. And around the time, it was my, my eldest daughter, will she be 23 in January, my second daughter, 21. So we were sort of faced with the vaccination issue. You know, well, is it dangerous? Do you do it? And I read as much as I could into it at the time. And came to the conclusion that Wakefield was a scam, a sham, a fake. And he is, and he was, and he was struck off afterwards and he was utterly discredited. And he's managed now, he's part of the anti-vaxxer movement as well and the states are present. And it was a realisation, you know, about how misinformation and false information and reading further, vaccines have been the greatest advance in medicine in the last century and a bit. If you look at how many things have been eliminated, smallpox, polio, diphtheria, all of these things because of vaccinations given to children young and vaccinations given at a later stage. But that's not an opinion. So in fairness to you, though, Matt. um, That's a factually based opinion. It's not an opinion. It's not really an opinion. It's more of a fact. It is. But but I I would hope, I would hope. It's not a value judgment. But hold on. I would hope my opinions are based on facts rather than something I pluck out of the fucking air. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, so I have have no tolerance for those who... So texting into the program and stuff saying uh, 99.99% of people have no problems with getting COVID and the rest of it. Tell that to the millions of people who have died. Mm. You know, tell that to all of the people who are suffering from long COVID and all the cool, rest yeah. of it. Cool, so, yeah. Actually, I might as well jump in here then. Um, oh, no, can we not talk about COVID? Just no, no, so, so, no, Very briefly. It's to do, yep, please. We can edit it all out if you want to. But it's no, just, no, it's not a question it's, I want to edit No, but it's literally from my curiosity. Yeah. So, for example, one of the issues, I, I don't even know how to do a question on this, but one of the issues I have a problem about this, about this whole uh, period, is the idea, let's just start with a statement which says, the science is in on this, Matt. Right? The science is unquestioned on this, Matt. Matt, the science has spoken. Matt, we've heard the science. Matt, we must follow the science. And I always kind of say to this, but surely science has to be questioned for it to be science. I agree entirely with you on that. But science can often be overwhelming. I mean, yeah, Yes, but then when it is overwhelming, let's say from the, the, the results that are to, mm. to da- in to date, yeah. it needs to be questioned and probed further. Well, absolutely. And I would hope that yesterday... I did that with Killian de Gascoon was on the last word mm. last night. And I put a couple of questions to him. I, mean, I can't remember the exact phrasing of them or whatever and stuff, particularly in relation to vaccines for children and the rest of it. Mm. And he sort of paused and did the thing. Oh, well, yes, well, actually, that's 
an important question. That's a good question. Mm. And they were probing questions. Yeah. So I know there's a certain element who would be going, you should have been shoving it, you should have been telling him he's around. We don't do that in the last word. I don't do that because yeah. I don't have enough information. But I was trying to go to somewhere with my... my, my, my well, I, know where I know where you're going. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I was trying to go, I was trying to go somewhere with this then. All right, go. So I was sort of saying, to, to ask a question is to be scientific. Okay? You accept that. Okay. With, to ask a question in good faith, let's say, is to be mm. scientific. To not ask a provocative question. Mm. To not troll a question. Okay? That's, to ask a fair question yeah. is to be scientific. It is true to say, and this is, this is, this is an opinion, but it's based on, 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 on empirical experience looking around. It is true to say that a lot of people who are asking questions in our society at the moment are labelled as troublemakers for asking questions. Mm -hmm. They're put into boxes before they know it. And the box suddenly becomes you're an anti-vaxxer when they are nothing of the sort. No, and I understand that. Do you, do you that. get what I'm talking no, about? I, I do. And I'll give you another example. Yeah. But people sometimes think that by asking a question that you're actually making a suggestion. Correct. Right. So last night I asked a question, not because I believed it should be the case, but I asked the question to get find out what the answer would be from a public What was your question? The question was, should unvaccinated children, once children aged 5 to 11... Are, are eligible for the vaccine and has been rolled out for them. If there are any children in that age group who are not vaccinated, should they be denied a place in school? Mm -hmm. Which I think is a logical thing to actually go talk about, right? It is. And it has, a con it's, without so, getting deep into it, and I'm not a lawyer yeah. or an expert, surely there would be constitutional issues there about would be. that. And it's not something that I would actually advocate. But because I'd asked the question, then there was a flood of messages in, you're a fucking disgrace. You're promoting, tr trying to suggest that this would be the case. And I'm going, no, I'm not. Mm. I'm asking a question. Yeah, correct, yeah, yeah. Correct. I get it. Right. So I asked a question once on mm. Twitter, right? And uh, Oh, jeez, that's okay, a dangerous Matt. thing to I do. I don't mind. I asked a question once on Twitter, and, and maybe it's something you could comment on, yeah. unless you don't want to give your opinion, which I accept as well. Yeah. And that was this. I don't normally get involved in these things, and I'm not an expert. Having said that, I'm sick of people who call somebody not an expert. When if I read, let's say, doctor, top doctor, double A, doctor, doctor, from The Lancet or something, right? And I quote what they said. It's not me quoting it. It's them. Right? So they are the expert that I'm quoting. Mm. Okay? Now, so p human beings have the capability to read as well, to read yeah. from other experts. I listened to, for example, you said you did a lot of reading about, uh, about, uh, MMR, uh, and about MMR and Andrew Wakefield. So I listened to people who clearly done a lot of reading. You're not a complete expert, but you've done a way more reading about it than I did. So I'd be more listening to you, see what your, your take on it is. So I asked a question on Twitter and I got up out of uh, bed one day at the, I think it was uh, to, go to, to go into work. And it was the 1st of September, maybe the 31st of August, 30th of August, sort of this year. And Morning Ireland led with the story. It was really kind of a little downtime and Morning Ireland led with the story. A new report from Nefet says by the middle of September, there will be X amount of cases, there will be X amount in ICU and there'll be X amount in hospitals. And for me, it came out of the blue. There had been a sort of a downtime or an interregnum of kind of peace and calm. And I decided for the first time in my life to write down the numbers that I heard. The only time I've done this. And I said, I'm going to shut my mouth and wait for two weeks until that time comes that they've made their modelling. And after that, I waited for two weeks. I talked about it in the breakfast show as well, after comedy bits and all that. And I said, lads, I'm fuming about this. And I waited till the middle of September. And I tweeted out what I had said. And I just went, here are the figures today. 
Here were the figures that were modelled. Here were the figures that were modelled as the most pessimistic. Here were the figures modelled as the most likely. And here were the figures modelled as the most optimistic. The actual figures were 50% lower than the most optimistic. They were cataclysmically wrong. And I simply asked the question, is somebody ever going to question the modelling or the modellers of this? Because nobody has. And... Of course, I was, it blew up and I was, somebody, people were calling me all sorts of anti-vaxxer and all this. And I was just wondering, would you, you presumably you, you'd have uh, thoughts on that at least? I have no problem with asking that question. Mm. And what would you think yourself? Um, I think, okay, there's a number of things that I would think. And here now we are straying into my opinions in relation to this. I would have sympathy for how difficult it actually is with an unknown illness in actually making predictions as to what is actually going to happen. You mean, I think there was more legitimate criticism can be laid at the door of government and health officials in not having facilities in place to deal with the potentials that are now emerging, as in how many people, that's where you can have legitimate. But as to sort of criticising people for looking at the possibilities of what might happen and then they didn't happen, well, Come on, this isn't un- unusual. Unusual. This is unprecedented in our lifetime event for us to actually have to deal with. Do you get where I'm going with this? I do. I think that for scientists to be so aberrantly, outrageously, ridiculously off the mark for somebody like Sam McConkey, who said that 80,000 people would die, I think it's just too far gone. He, actually, I don't think he actually said that, right? In the sense that he said there was the potential for that if certain things were not done. And he's not a member of ENFIT. And of course, you may realise that I pronounce it differently to nearly everyone else, which has become an issue with some listeners. <laughs> but it's ENFIT, not yeah. NEFIT. Well, There's at least no it's not Nicky Minja. There is that. Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minja, and wasn't it her cousin with the Buster Gonads? Yeah, yeah, Nicki Minja and her new group, <laughs> N- Infit. Yeah, anyway. In- Intifada. Anyway. Antifida? She's probably going with this. Nicki Minja. You were talking. Buster Gonad and the infeasibly large testicles. COVID. That was her cousin. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. Viz. Yeah, that's right. So you're the only person I think who's copped that reference. Oh, I love Viz. Yeah. Mr. Logic. <laughs> I think, therefore, I am a complete fucking twat. The character. Wait, wait, sorry. Sam McConkey was not a member of Enfit. Mm. And he laid out, he didn't say that was going on. And then some of the people who get angry with him, are they disappointed that he wasn't right? Is that their issue? No. No. Uh, no, no, it's not. He, what, he, what he said is the potential was that you could have. And anyway, actually, mm. you know, as it happens, we have had millions upon millions of deaths around the world yes. as a result of this. Yeah. It's not nothing. Question for you, right? And again, you don't know the answer, but I just, I like to see how people like you deal with such a question. I was screaming at the radio there the, there the other day asking a question, as I often do. I scream at the television and radio and I do asking questions, which I think nobody else will ask. ask. And it wasn't you that wasn't asking them. But the question that nobody's asked is, what happened to the 1918 pandemic, Matt? What do you mean? What happened to it? Where did it go? It killed. Where did... Where, I know what it, it did. I know what it more did. more people than the First World War. I did. know that's what it, what it did. But where did it go? How did it disappear all of a sudden? Because why didn't it go on forever? Well, do you know... Because, well, I'll tell you why, right? There and actually, I know you're not an, a, a, No, no, an but expert, it, right? you just, as it just happens, I just haven't read a book about this recently. Uh, there's a terrific book by an historian, Adam Tooze, and uh, he's a professor at Columbia University yeah. in history. 
and he's written a sort of a contemporaneous history yeah. of the last year and a half. It's a terrific read. And I interviewed him at a conference that I was doing the other day, which is why I read the book. Mm. So what happened back in 19, around the time 1918, mm. we didn't have international travel okay. the way we have. So things didn't spread. We had a much smaller population. Conurbation. So, so actually the proportions of those who died was much bigger than the proportions who were dying from COVID at present. Correct. And um, it attacked the young. It attacked, yeah. We also had a situation whereby, which is actually largely forgotten, we actually did have largely have lockdowns back then as well. Mm. That's how an awful lot of it was dealt with. But actually, it was almost not because it was necessarily mandated by governments, but it just actually happened almost naturally. Mm. And people didn't travel as of course. much. And we're not even talking about international air travel, which didn't exist for the masses at the time. It was very thing. People didn't even have cars and stuff. So most people lived 100 years ago in a radius of around five miles of where they, you know, they worked near to their place of where they lived. And they did, so it didn't spread as much of that. So then that's one of the, but we have a situation where plagues have been a part of the human condition all the way through. And it's only really since around that time that we have tried to have public health measures mm. to actually deal with those things. So I'd recommend that book to you. Sure. So, and just from your scant reading of this, yeah. not scant, but to, in comparison. It's very detailed. No, 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 I, no I accept reading. that. I accept that. <laughs> Where will this go then? So what happens to a virus? Well, actually, and I, what I happens asked, to well, it? Well, I asked Killian yeah. Tagasco, and you know where I would Did be, you ask this question? I actually asked him last night. Oh, sorry, I put I didn't it in, right? Okay. And where I would have a reasonable degree of confidence based on my reading, but again, non-scientific judgment, mm. where I would be hopeful, although I still preface it that I know very little. Mm. But he did confirm to me, I said, what happens is as a virus mutates, it weakens. It weakens. Yeah, because it wants to survive, not kill. Exactly. Right. So the more people you have vaccinated, right, the fewer hosts there actually are going to be amongst the unvaccinated. Yeah. And amongst those unvaccinated, the virus doesn't want to kill the unvaccinated because then it kills itself. Correct. So that's where I would be hopeful that if we get enough people vaccinated, yeah. that then the thing effectively loses its virulence amongst the unvaccinated the un- and then becomes something that in time we all learn to live with. Exactly. The virus is not a suicide bomber. It no. doesn't go in and kill itself. So eventually this may work, but but it may take an so awful lot longer. So it'll eventually become the common cold or the sister of something the common like, cold. Yeah, maybe a little bit more serious, but yes. Fluey. And it'll be of greater concern to people with underlying conditions and whatever, but there will be ways to mm. deal with it. And yes, you would hope that, you know, we will develop the medicines and the vaccines and all the rest of it. I mean, the biggest issue at the moment is, and this came up in my conversation with him, it also came up with Dr. With, with, uh, to David Nabarro from the World Health Organization the other night, is that there are more people in the world who've received their third shot of vaccine than there are who've received their first. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Okay. That yeah. shows you how the wealthier world is looking after itself. But what happens because of that is in the areas of the world mutations. unvaccinated, you get the mutations and that comes back into the vaccinated areas. Yeah. So there's been selfish. What Nabarro suggested was that if even if there was a delay in delivery of six weeks of what's been ordered in the Western world or the mm. first world, and that was diverted to the third world, if even only to the healthcare workers, mm. that would have an enormous impact. Okay, brilliant. We're going to jump, dump COVID there. But Thank uh, you. It's all right. No, I think you were really interesting on it. And you- but sorry, we, we, uh, can I just say, mm. on the last word, we have, having been almost entirely COVID, mm. 
we've gotten away from that. We mm. still do it and we do as much as we feel mm. is necessary to keep people informed. Mm. But we are doing lots of other things because we realise there's lots of other things going on in the world. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another one that you do have an opinion on, or you could even correct me if it's an opinion or just another statement of fact, is Boris Johnson. Oh yeah, You're Jeez, very, I'm glad. I thought is it fair? Trump is it fair to say? Is Trump. it fair to say? Well, well, I think Trump. We can move on a bit. Yes. Now. Yeah. I think uh, until it happens again, until the next variant comes around of Trump, the Trump variant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it's Boris. Yeah. He, like for example, I did a piece on the Sunday roast year ago. I used to always have a little, a bit of a hot take thing. Mm. I mean, it was an opinion thing, but I'm not a current affairs journalist, yeah. so it's I'm a lay person. And uh, so it was about uh, Boris Johnson and it was about my exasperation with how people could uh, stomach uh, the barefaced lies being told to them. And a good few people got in touch from who were living in Ireland from the United Kingdom, weren't happy at all with my, not only with what I said, but my position of saying that. My, who the hell do you think you are? For saying that, and then thinking of that kind of dawned on me, your position, because you're quite outspoken about Boris Johnson. Um, he's a fucking fraud. And Yeah, and you'd accept, for example, that he's a liar as well, and based on the fact that these are factual. Yeah, I mean, em- em- leave aside his personal life and stuff like that. Mm. Um, although things like I mean, the way that he hoovers up money, yeah. I mean, like, it's Hoggy-esque yeah. but in the way that he does stuff. Correct, but I know you a little bit, right? And the little bit I know you of, there is something about the way he does it that galls you, isn't it? Because you hate people like Boris Johnson, don't you? Well, well put it this way. if he It's not just him. You hate that kind of sorry, person, don't you? if he wasn't, yeah, because if he wasn't present or prime minister, he'd be now presenter of a programme on GB News he'd be doing Nigel Farage yeah. something like that and it'd be all the big comedy and appealing to the worst of people's natures and the sort of thing like oh you can't fucking say anything anymore they're yeah. not allowing you to say anything but I'll say the unsayable well I had Fintan O'Toole on um, in the last couple of weeks and eventually I got to talking to him about Boris as well and I'm going to ask you the same question because I only I often only ask questions that I really read I, I struggle with myself and the question I would ask you about Boris is like go beyond the obvious answer if you can what does he want so for example a virus wants to survive right you just said it a minute ago a virus wants to occupy hosts maybe not kill them because then it'll kill itself it wants to survive but what does Boris want? So, for example, the night before the, the Brexit referendum, he writes two pieces, one in favour, one against. He doesn't care. He's amoral. He's immoral and amoral. He doesn't seem to have any stance on anything. What does he want? Does he want to just continue until somebody goes, Oi, mate, you rumbled. out, Or what? What was the character in Father Ted? Do you remember that Brendan Grace played? Father the, Finton Stack. Yeah, go, and I've had my fun. <laughs> And that's a fucking I've had my fun. No, 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 no. You know, that's all that counts. Yeah. Really? That's it. Just a bit of fun. That's it. It's like uh, I'm enjoying myself. And doesn't that make him even more dangerous? Yeah. Because somebody who regards it, it's not even serious. It's a yeah. game. It's a game. It is. It's like a game. His entire career in journalism was a game. Making up stories, inventing shit to make sure he got prominent pieces in, his, in the Daily Telegraph. You know, if, appealing to people's worst nature, pretending to be the great entertainer and the rest of it. And then he brings that into politics. 
And he somehow manages to parlay his way to being the Prime Minister. And then you see the thing like recently, um, the Peppa Pig speech. That was his fucking after dinner speaking routine that he brings into this particular environment, thinking, should they all start falling around laughing? I'll just suck at them. They weren't. They're all a bunch of fucking idiots and I'll just fucking... Sorry, I'm swearing. And his after dinner speaking, his after dinner speaking is appalling, by the way. Yeah. But you know, the thing is, and you know, Irish people are... are, um, Susceptible to this as well. Do you remember he spoke at the Pendulum Summit a couple of years ago? Yes. And Frankie Sheehan brought him in. Yeah. And Frankie paid 75 grand to bring him in. Right. And Frankie told me after More than he offered me. <laughs> he said it was a fantastic investment. Yeah, because he said when entertainment. He, when he announced it, he had so many tickets left to sell and he managed to sell out the rest of the tickets. The circus. So, the circus. So Johnson came over. And this was at a time when Johnson, I think, was had stepped down as foreign secretary or gotten out of Theresa May's government and was doing his worst uh, before he became the Tory leader again. And he was basically trying to pocket as much cash as he could before he made a push to become the leader of the Tory party. And they filled the place up and Boris did the usual shtick. Like he apparently, I think it was Brian Dobson interviewed mm-hmm. him and he grabbed, jumped grabbed over and grabbed Brian Dobson's notes and stuff. Yeah. It'd be funny. This is the stuff he does all the time. Yeah. This is his shtick. But a lot of Irish punters lined up to have their photograph taken with him afterwards. This is the cult of celebrity. I'm reading this book at the moment. It's correct. It's the cult of celebrity. It's nothing to do with politics no, or him even. Yeah, Michael Wolfe, you know, who wrote those Trump Yeah, books. The Fire and Fury. Fire and Fury. So Michael Wolfe has been on the last word a couple of times as well. But he's a new book out, which is basically a collection of a lot of his old work. Mm. And some new stuff and the rest of it. And it's written in that Wolf style, which can be a little bit irritating, but also can be quite illuminating as well. Mm. He did a very good book on the Murdochs years ago. Mm. And there's good stuff with Piers Morgan and various other people in the book. But I'm trying to get, I'm waiting. I know the stuff from Boris Johnson in there, who apparently Wolf liked because he was entertained by him. Mm. Life's more serious. I mean, I like a bit of fun, a bit of crack and all the rest of it and stuff. But I would like actually the people who are making the life and death decisions to be taking them seriously for everybody's good rather than looking for making their own next book. Yeah, oh, there's a bit of touch of Anglomania to that, though. It's, it's rife in America. You know, there is. you You're, talk like that. And, and of course, all the Americans go, oh, it's so charming. You must have met the Queen, did you? Yeah. So, yes, yes she's a personal friend of mine. Uh, you know, this Nord, Nord Melbury thing. You know, from Faulty Towers, you know, it's like, yeah. it's a doffing the cap that yeah. James O'Brien calls it doffing the cap yeah. to the, a member of the upper class, really, which is, uh, it's peculiar. I was discussing that with somebody else, this, even though um, a lot of people who voted f- for Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom know that he is a barefaced liar, mm. they still vote for him because in him, they see something identifiably, clichédly British. Yeah. They actually go... I'm not sure who this Keir Starmer is, but I do know who Boris is. He's a Briton. And, and not only is he a Briton, he's an educated one. Well, oh, was it, what's it the phrase? Nationalism is the last refuge of the scoundrel. scoundrel yeah. Well, patriotism, I think it was. but uh, uh, Patriotism, you're right. But nationalism, patriotism tend to mm, be closely related. Mm, yeah, the time, uh, yeah, yeah, and mutate. But um, so you're, 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 you're very... So you're more learned than me. You were able to actually quote that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> Bullshit, Matt. And you know what polymath means and I don't. <laughs> You've left me stumped for words, Matt. Stumped for words. To be called intelligent by Matt Cooper, I'm blushing. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. Just a quick one, pre-Christmas. A little present from me to you. Happy Christmas. Take care. Take care.